Hi, this is Alex Gary of the Thinker What Works podcast. I'll be the host today. Uh, Jason Todd's not with us. So this week we have Tom McKellips of Springfield, Missouri. He's one of the founders of Global Rescue Systems, and he's in Rockford to talk to our One Million Cups networking group. Uh, Tom, welcome to Rockford. Thanks. Uh, Good to be back up here again. So uh, tell us, first of all, tell us about Global Rescue Systems. So Global Rescue Systems is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that was founded due to a tragic drowning death that occurred during a flash flood in December 26, 2015. Uh, My son and I have witnessed the drowning. The fire department on scene didn't have equipment to reach the person who was swept over to a guardrail. So after witnessing that the very next day, we went back and said, you know, we've got to come up with a solution. Some, what, what is something that can be made relatively inexpensively provided to these departments that don't have equipment? And uh, so for the next year, we worked on a tool that is now known as Rocket Buoy. So, so. What is your, what's your background? Why were you interested in this in the first place? Um, I was a career firefighter, retired from the city of Springfield Fire Department. So after I retired, my whole after retirement plans was to actually be consulting in risk management. But along the way, I got bored, started volunteering with a local volunteer department. And the night of that incident, I was actually out on that as a fire department member. So typically, so, so we have these situations, what, in lakes, rivers, creeks, yeah. right? And the tool that most departments have now can reach how far? Uh, rope throw bags is a common one that's carried, which is about 50 feet with a decent throw. Um, beyond that, a lot of times they're needing to set up water rescue teams, which are great to have, but out in the rural areas, they're not readily available. Those The teams take money, and rural departments don't have a lot of that. So if somebody's 125, 150 feet out, um, you can't just swim out there and get them? Um, in a lot of the swift water situations, you don't want to. Uh, you don't know what's coming downstream, debris-wise. You know, if it's a flood, which 75% of the drowning deaths are due to floods. So, you were saying, and how many drowning deaths do we have a year? 2015, in the U.S., there's 4,812. Wow. It's, it, you don't hear a lot of it, right? No, no it's actually the third leading cause of, of uh, unintentional death worldwide. It's just very under-recognized. Okay, so you saw this need, and you started developing it. So what is the, the product you de- you've developed? So we have developed a very simplistic product. It's called Rocket Buoy, and it is capable of launching a rescue float that we've designed ourselves currently to 250 feet. Actually, it'll go a little bit beyond that. Um, for a year, we've been working on actually over two over a year almost two years now we've been working on the design and improving this thing since the beginning the uh, the first implementation of it we were doing good to hit 100 feet and now we're going to 250 feet and the nice thing about it we're dropping the air pressure that we need to make those distances so we're building that additional safety why is that important the air pressure yeah part well um, the lower the air pressure the safer it is for the rescuer for the user so in case of a failure of the pressurized component, less chance of it because we got we have a higher safety margin between the failure rate of the materials and what you got to use it at. So you've been doing some research into budgets for rural fire departments, yeah. right? Um, because I think if anybody, if a rural fire department has a river or a creek or something, mm-hmm. they should have this kind of equipment. 
Why don't they typically? A lot of times it's lack of funding is the biggest thing. And then there's also lack of awareness that it's even available. Like, so our tool is brand new, really, to the marketplace. So just getting the word to these departments is very important. Getting them to know that we have this, that it's available, it can be granted to them. Um, and it's very difficult to reach some of these departments. When you're out in rural America, you don't necessarily have high-speed Internet everywhere. You don't have good cell coverage everywhere. You know. uh, one of the assistant chiefs I'm working with right now, where we just donated a device to, doesn't even have an email address. You have to you call see, them on the phone That's just mail. weird to me. Every, yeah. everybody, I would assume everybody has yeah. email addresses. Yeah. We get spoiled in the city. Yeah. <laughs> we don't realize that there's this whole component of the U.S. that just doesn't always have that same amount of technology available to them. So, okay, so let's talk, you know, this is this What Works podcast. So it's like, you know, what's working, what's not. Um, first of all, you decided to form a nonprofit. Right. Why? Uh, that really wasn't too hard of a decision because we decided – after what happened, we're going on a humanitarian mission. Mm -hmm. We want to get these tools into the hands of those underfunded departments because we don't want to see another drowning death like that. So, you know, that, that was a situation where in my whole career, you get on the scene and nothing to even try to do, no equipment of any kind, you know. Generally, there's something so you can sit try. And, so it's just sit successful. and wait till they drop in the water and see if you can fish them out downstream? That's what it, oh, what happened God. in this mm -hmm. case. So he he hung on for over an hour on the guardrail mm -hmm. and uh, finally ended up letting go. His last words were, help me, about 10 minutes or so before he said, or before he let go. And took a week to find him. Drowned on December 26th, found him on January 1st. Um, and incidentally enough, that same night, 11 people died in low water crossings in Missouri. In Illinois, I don't have the total number of who, how many died in low water crossings, but I do have one incident that I found of a family of five dying in a low water crossing in southern Illinois down by Potoka. And they were in a very similar situation. Their car was swept downstream about 200 feet. They were in their car. But according to the newspaper articles that I've read on it, the rescuer was actually talking to them on the phone, but it took them about two hours to get to them. So by then it was too late. Our device is capable of doing 250 feet right now. So could it have made a difference there? Possibly. I mean, it didn't exist at that time. But now if we could get with that department, maybe this would be something they'd like to have in their arsenal in case they come across that situation again. Well, your your product can't be free, right? So no, how, do you, how do you get it into the hands of these rural departments and, and so, still maintain enough cash flow to make more of them? So currently um, we work pretty much by donation and some of the departments will fund us a little bit when we deliver one They'll at least cover maybe a small part of the cost that helps out and some of it is just because of the way i feel about it. i've put a lot of money into it out of pocket mm -hmm. so, so like donations where have you gotten donations from um just your everyday people on the on the street hmm. that have decided to just give us some money you know we've picked up 20 bucks here 20 bucks there and few people have donated a few hundred dollars. Um, the, the bare basic cost to make one of these is what? Just in parts alone, it's 200 Okay. And then getting it put together and delivered to somebody? By the time we do all that, we're with delivery training, we're, we're about 1000 to 1200 into it. Okay. And you figure all the time involved. And, and so if all of a sudden you're hit, let's say if something goes viral and now you have 1,000 departments calling you, how, can you, can you meet that demand? We're working on that. So 
we've got plans in place to bring in uh, homeless youth to help with assembly. Uh, we're working on a workforce development grant. Hopefully have everything, all the pieces of the puzzle in place at the right time. Um, we're searching in our area for a piece of real estate to use to make our own assembly plant there. It doesn't take a lot of room, and we've got several places in mind already. We've been talking to some real estate developers and things down there, so we got we do have pieces in the works, but obviously it's going to take money to initiate that stuff. So that's, well, that's so where the hang-up's going to be. We've had a couple conversations because yeah. you stopped in on yeah. over the weekend, and um, you mentioned there is some commercial interest. Yes. So what's going on with that? That's the other uh, thing, which we never considered a commercial interest because, like I said, we went on a humanitarian mission. It was our primary purpose. But since the incident July 19th in Branson of the duck sinking. Yeah. There duck is boat. How many people died in that? 17. 17. Yeah. And like there's a big lawsuit yeah. being filed now. I think there's a couple of them, around $100 million, mm-hmm. what I heard. And actually, of the 17, um, five of those were kids 15 and under. You had an interesting stat on that. Uh, drowning costs America how much? Yeah, comprehensive cost is $4.3 million. For one drowning? For drowning. Why? Uh, that's the data that came through the CDC, who back in 1997 commissioned a study on it. Uh, I believe in International Lifeguard Association, CDC, and I forget the other entity that was involved in that. They were the ones that calculated those costs. And... Uh, if you extrapolate that to today's dollars, that's what it comes out to on comprehensive costs. Okay, so again, the duck boat um, incident happened, yeah. and how did that stir some some commercial interest? Uh, there's some marina owners down there that, through word of mouth of people I don't even know, you know friends of friends of friends types of thing, are now interested and uh, been trying to get a hold of me, want to talk about that. Well, 250 so, feet is... It's like 80 yards. It's a little yeah. longer than 80 yards. That's yeah. a long way to throw something. Yeah, we're coming close to a football field. Yeah, essentially. The, the duck boat, uh, when it capsized, how close was it to some pl- something else? To keep, from uh, the report I got back from one of my sources is that it, they were around 100 feet away from the Branson Bell, so well within reach of our tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Branson Bell was at dock. Uh, they had shows going on on that boat, and they didn't take it out. The, the, I'm not going to make speculation on what and why and all that and all the blames, but I know the, the bell was staying docked because of potential weather conditions, and they just did their shows on the boat that day. And mm-hmm. So when the uh, duck boat sank, they were close enough that off of that boat, people were jumping off Branson Bell to rescue people from the duck. Mm-hmm. Where so, instead they could have just shot these buoys out there and dragged yeah. them in. Yeah. How many buoys can you shoot at a time? It's one one shot at a time, mm-hmm. but you if you got multiple buoys, mm-hmm. you can reload rapidly. It's, it's just slide the next one down and, and charge and launch. So at this point, this, so now there is commercial interest. So how you, are you planning on trying to uh, capitalize on that? My thought, if if there is good commercial interest there, we may want to segment off a for profit corporation to deal with the commercial interests, and then that for-profit corporation can help support our non-profit corporation. Mm-hmm. So That's a common that. setup. There's lots yeah. of lots of non-profits have yeah. a for-profit side. Yeah. So, what are you learning so far since you've decided to, to do all this in ter- on, on the business thing? If somebody came up to you and said, hey, Tom, how's it going? I mean, I'd like to do yeah. this. 
Give me some tips. Yeah. Well, it's pretty much like any startup business. Um, the world doesn't come running to your door. <laughs> so it's been just difficult doing, doing all the research on the backside, doing all the testing, all the prototypes we've been through. You know, all this is heavily self-funded. So my pocket is running a little dry. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot of money that's been spent to just get a working device out there that's suitable for use. A shoot a patent's like 10 grand. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and we've got it in the patent process, and that's more money coming out of my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, so got that side of it, and then starting to work toward getting the awareness with people is very difficult. I mean, you got to market it just like you got to market any other business. So, hence, that's where we need volunteers that are good at things like that. That's not my background. Um, sales is not my background, so it makes it very challenging. Um, Wish I could say, you know, we just wave the magic wand and money comes flowing through the door, but it doesn't. So isn't this one of those things when, when people see it, they love it? Yeah. But it's a matter of getting them to see it. Right. And there's no, is there, a, you know, every single industry has some kind of trade show. Right. But there, the, the, your your target market isn't the ones that would go to these kind of trade shows? Right. The, the fire service trade shows, you know, your bigger departments are going to be there, mm-hmm. which might be a good place for us to go because we could uh, do a sliding scale type of thing with paying for this device and so you know new york city buys one and they pay a larger price and then that money slid down to the smaller volunteer departments to be able to provide to them that don't have funding which is a sliding scale is common in a lot of nonprofit mm-hmm. organizations um, those same shows your, your little tiny rural fire departments generally are not going to be there at those shows. I mean, they're doing good to just survive mm-hmm. paying their fuel and insurance and maintenance on their vehicles. and They're not going to have a budget to, to send some people to California or, or New York or Florida or wherever the show is. <laughs> you're, um, you're active in the One Million Cups in Springfield, right? Right. Okay. What have you, and how long has that been around, that one? I don't know. Okay. So what have you learned from uh, the business people down there? I mean, that's the big key of One Million Cups is, you know, getting out and learning. And, and, right. And, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the biggest thing to learn is just we've got to stay networking with people. Mm-hmm. And so from some of their suggestions, as I did a presentation with them, we made a few little changes. And actually, that's where we've come up with a, another device that's a little bit smaller, has a little bit less distance. It's really... It's almost an exact copy of what we got. It shoots the exact same float. That hasn't changed at all. But it's just a little bit lighter, a little bit smaller, because we're thinking that would be good for law enforcement and possibly uh, some private use, which we're not ready to jump into the market of private use. We can go business to business, but Mm -hmm. we're not ready for private. That's one of the suggestions that came out. Um, There was people that would like to be able to carry it on their own boats. Good point, right? right? How many people, you know, you could save somebody else that way. Yeah. But we just, to go to that market, we're dealing with the consumer. Now you're talking retail. Yeah, we're talking Mm -hmm. retail, and we're talking we want to really work on that whole safety and risk management aspect of it heavily Mm -hmm. for them. Because with a business, we can train the staff easy enough. We can require that for a consumer to just go to whatever store and purchase one, now we're, that training component is removed, which is a big part of the safety. 
So how to deal with that effectively is something we got to really look at and think about before we just jump into that. Because we don't want anybody to get hurt with this thing. Mm-hmm. Where have you traveled to so far to talk to people? Um, mostly around southwest Missouri. Um, so everywhere from Springfield area to Rolla, um, going north. When you said Rolla the first time, I thought yeah. you meant North Carolina. Yeah, Rolla, Rolla Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, hey, yeah. that's a pretty yeah. good trip. Going well, north. just the research, yeah. right? Yeah. How many how many rural fire departments are there? Um, in Missouri, there's somewhere around between six and eight hundred. Yeah, in that just state. in one state. Yeah. <laughs> so now if we have fifty states. If we can say we're averaging six hundred per state, that's yeah, that's a, a lot. Number. Yeah, yeah and, there, and again, there's no, there's one, no one big network to, right. to get something out, the word out to these people. Right. Well, you were you were saying just even doing the research was in what is hard to do. Yes, um, the drowning research because nothing's really there's no good centralized database, so a lot of disconnected information that you got to go out and find and put the puzzle pieces back together. Um, the uh, Lowhead dams is one of the areas that we found this device can be useful. And just doing research on trying to find lowhead dams and drownings at lowhead dams is very uh, what, is, what is a lowhead dam? A uh, lowhead, it's an overflow dam. Okay. Uh, so, you know, the, the river level on one side is as high as the dam falls over the top of it. And then mm-hmm. on the other side, it'll be somewhat lower generally. So that dam doesn't open or close? No. Okay. Yeah, yeah we've got several of these up, up in Lincoln Rockton area. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the, those are a, a big killer. They're high in the list of causing drownings, and actually there's a... Why is that? They're very popular fishing spots, for one thing, mm-hmm. and kayakers and, and other water-borne sports like that, people oh, like Oh, because the water's, and, and, the water's churny there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in, in certain stages, you can cross a low-head dam safely, but knowing that stage is key. And a lot of people won't necessarily know that, um, and a lot of the dams are not all always in that particular stage so there's actually some researchers at byu that have done a lot of work in the low head dam safety and trying to find drownings and things at low head dams and building a database toward that but it is it's very incomplete because there's just such a disconnected bunch of information across our nation so that just it just makes it more complicated to find everything we're, we're trying to find the top 100 fire departments in the midwest for drownings so we can kind of target those initially, and just getting that information has been. Well, we've been working on that for about six months, trying to. Dig so stuff when you out. have to get the drownings, and then you have to figure out who the departments are. Yeah. And that, so that's a big challenge. <laughs> well, you know, I would, I would get, you know, I'm a data nut, yeah. so you can find a lot, yeah. but that is that's probably something yeah. that nobody's thought of to put a a comprehensive database together. Right. And different states have different rules for reporting deaths, and that changes where you find stuff. Mm-hmm. So you go through the, the anecdotal stuff with news, newspapers and, and other blog sites and try to dig what you can there, and you go to the state websites and try to dig out what you can there and try to make contact with some people at state level and see what you can find there. It's just a, it's a big mess. So who... Who's good, who's helping you build build the business? Do you have have you found like mentors, or is this kind of like just you you and your son are chugging along? And uh, primarily, my son and I. We've got a few other volunteers that that are helping us in specific tasks. It's just it's really primarily the two of us working on it right now. So, what have you learned that you wish you knew when you started? 
Uh, sometimes I wish that maybe I wouldn't have been on that scene and wouldn't have had this uh, <laughs> desire to do this. It's the nonprofit sector is a little bit different world than a for-profit sector. So mm-hmm. I've I've had several for-profit small businesses, and it's really to me a lot easier to deal with those than the nonprofit side. There are so many little things in this whole nonprofit side that can trip you up. You know, just filing for your status with the IRS to get the 501c3. Well, you yeah, that you know, we have, we have one friend um, or client here. It took him like two years to get it. Then I met another person. It took him two months. Yeah. So I don't know what the difference was between the two, but it just seemed strange. Yeah. There ours, was such a disparity. Ours went relatively quick, but then then with the state, we decided to make a small change to our charter, So, which I wish we'd have done before we created the charter, but then we had to file the paperwork to make the change. and Just little things like that. and. Um, part of what we needed to be, we were focused heavily in the beginning on just the product. And part of what we really need to be and what we are focusing on now is also awareness and training. Mm-hmm. And part of the awareness is we want to bring awareness to the public as well as the fire departments in the water safety areas. What do you, why, why the public? Um, one, the, If we engage the public, that mm-hmm. can engage us with the fire departments. So it's kind of our... Oh, so if the public knows in, about it, they yeah. might call the fire department. Hey, you got one of these? And vice versa, yes. Yeah. So, uh. And we'd like to to qualify some of the grants. We need more community engagement mm-hmm. on some of them. So if we can engage with the fire department. Well, you were saying the grant program, process is horrible for yeah. federal and state stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the, some of those are so uh, extremely detailed. <laughs> it's, you just okay. check the wrong box or... You know, use the wrong color ink. It's <laughs> so you mentioned you had some other for-profit businesses. What else did you have? So years ago, I used to own an ISP. We covered uh, several rural areas from just north of Springfield, Missouri, all the way up toward Warrensburg, Missouri, and over toward Lake of the Ozarks, and then back over to the Kansas line. Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah. Have you watched Ozark yet? No. Um, no? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes you Ozarks look good. <laughs> so. so then we... we Got out of that business, and uh, what did I do after that? And it's kind of started just really on a whim into the auto shop and tow business. One of one of my before we. But none of these the, none of these are really heavy sales jobs, are they? No, no. So that's this this whole thing is a learning experience. Yes. Yeah. And sales is not my <laughs> specialty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, in the tow and salvage business, you know, it's kind of the opposite. I'm not really doing sales. I'm buying. Mm-hmm. So it's a little easier for me to do that. Yeah. Go make deals on your junk. And So what's your, what's your son's role in the company? He is a chairman, a vice chairman of the development. Okay. So he's got a small team of student volunteers to help advance the development of Rocket Buoy as well as a few other ideas that we have in mind. Is he the sales guy? No. So that's that's the big need at this yeah. point is how yeah. is setting up a sales process, finding out where you can sell it, right, and then how to sell it, right, right. Um, you got a lot to learn, I yes. guess, yeah. right. So what yeah. you you know every every business should have a you know one three and five year plan. So mm-hmm. what is your you know your hope at one three and five? Well, our, our one year is to get those one hundred out there. Okay. So. And then our, our three years is really just kind of expanding on that mm-hmm. and improving our product. We do have another design for this rocket buoy 
not officially on the drawing well it is on the drawing board but not officially any prototypes built yet we're not ready to go that far with it which should build in some more efficiency on it and get us greater distance so in our three-year plan we will hope to have that available and be moving out that way as well as in three years within the three years we want to build a lot more community awareness programs and really push that mm-hmm. um, it just takes time I've, the first phase really has been developing the training program basic training for fire departments with our device so that when they buy it you, you so it's, it's ready to go when they yeah. buy when they, they get it they can get down there and get trained on it yeah okay yeah so have the have the product perfected before you really hit yeah okay and it's it's work it works excellent now but part of what we want to require is that training element because we want them to know exactly how to use it mm-hmm. and it's, it is simple it's not complex it's not rocket science even though there's rocket science involved <laughs> um, but just making sure they're competent with it mm-hmm. and that way as volunteers change out the next volunteer coming in can maybe easily learn from somebody that's already been trained and, and in, in terms of uh, trying to sell it or get the, the word out are you trying to basically work in a circle outward you know you're, you're based in Missouri you're up here yeah. in Illinois because you have a family member up here right. correct um, is it one of those things where if I can get it in this county and then I'll try to the next county over? Yeah. Okay. So it's a lot of networking in that fashion. Mm-hmm. That's about about how you have to do. You talk to, to one department, they get it, and then they introduce you to the next one. Mm-hmm. You just keep working that angle. So you said you've, you've gotten it to some. So yeah. how many have you gotten out there so We've far? Got about ten of them out right now. Okay, ten of them out. Yeah. And have you had a success of ones gotten it, and so they they kind of referred you to the next one? Yes. Yet? Okay. Yeah. So it's just a matter of plugging away. Mm-hmm. All right. And so you let's see, eight hundred of these times fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Alaska yeah. needs more though, right? You said yeah. Alaska and Hawaii had the highest. Alaska and Hawaii are near the top of the list for uh, flood drownings. Okay. According to one of the pieces of research I dug up, mm-hmm. the Midwest is very high. We're up in that top, you know, 20 list, 15, 20, somewhere in there. So, um, Illinois was ahead of Missouri as far as drownings go in 2015 mm-hmm. by almost double. I haven't found the stats for this year so far. I know in last I checked in Missouri, which has only been about a week ago, we're at about 66, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Illinois sets at. Now, you point. said this was the first. You hope to develop several yeah. um, tools for rest- um, right. rescue companies. Other ones that are closer in your brain to being ready to go, or maybe you started working on anything else, or are you trying we're, to get this first done first? We're really working on this one specifically right now. We've got others that are being designed. Uh, Cody's working in the CAD program coming up with designs and a few models are being built not really prototypes but uh, that's going to be further down the road before it's ready to go and again to be successful in those we're going to have to get the funding behind us to do this because as we move forward some of these tools get a little more expensive although one of our uh, goals is to maintain a very inexpensive build cost okay so if we well, One Million Cups has more than 180 chapters now. Yeah. So if you just, you know, you could see the whole United States, but, well, mm-hmm. it's really mostly Midwest. Yeah, <laughs> do a <point>. tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. Tom. Well, um, thank you for coming on the What Works podcast, and uh, I, we look forward to your presentation in two yeah. days. This will yeah. probably come out after that presentation. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully uh, we can help you get a little bit of... Yeah. 
uh, help you get the word out because yeah. it seems like this is kind of a no-brainer for these small rural district, yeah. districts and we just get them to find out about it. Right. Well, just the social return on it's, you know, immeasurable when you keep somebody from dying. But the financial return, you know, this small investment brings back a $4.3 million cost. That's a huge return. So as far as the society goes, it would behoove us to be better prepared to handle those situations. All right. Well... I hope you're ahead. Yeah. And Thanks. hopefully maybe we'll come back in a couple of years and you tell me about the, you know, you're selling your thousandth one or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There we <laughs> go. Appreciate it. Thanks. The What Works Podcast is a production of Thinker Ventures. Learn more at thinkerventures.com.